0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow, episode 14, season 2. I have a very, very, very special guest in the building. Uh, The first time I've ever used three very, so, you know, I really mean it. Very excited for this episode, (laughs) but I have Kevin O'Toole here with me.
1: Thanks for having me, Flo. Excited to be here.
0: And yes, thank you for coming on to the show. For anyone who doesn't know, Kevin just got drafted a few weeks ago to the MLS. And I remember, I was like sitting, it was actually insane, I was sitting I was trying to plan out the season. I was, like, writing down guest names. I go on Twitter or Instagram, whichever one I saw it on first. I'm like, no fucking way. Kevin just got drafted. I just write your name down right there. I'm like, I need him on here. This is going to be a good episode. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. The way that I start all these episodes is I ask the guests to introduce themselves, tell me what they do on campus, where they're from, and then just any other general intro that they would want the people to know. So if you could just start us off, please.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kevin. Um, I'm a senior. Uh, I'm in the speed department. It's a classic Princeton intro. Got to throw the major in there. Yep. <laughs> um, I am was on the Princeton men's soccer team. Um, and yeah, as you said, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, no, I guess, got drafted to uh, NYCFC, um, who just won the... MLS Cup last year, so also
0: also casual. Just got drafted <laughs> to the current MLS champions. All very casual, and we I'm will g- to get a curse. <laughs> yeah, and we will get much more into that in a little bit. But For I sure. think I just want to start out with you being here, you being a Princeton student um taking it all the way back first actually no i'm gonna start off by reading off some of your accolades because we (laughs) have to understand who is in the building with us we have the two-time ivy league offensive player of the year 2018 and 2021 second team all region in 2019 three-time first team all ivy 2018 2019 2021 united states coaches national player of the week from October 25th, 2021, and TopJarSoccer.com National Player of the Week from October 25th, 2021. You look <laughs> at him blushing over here, as you should. So we have a, a stud in our presence. So first question, um, you come into Princeton, what did you, did you, the way that you've, your career is now played out, did you see it taken off with that same sort of trajectory? What were your expectations when you came, when you came into Princeton about what exactly your, your career would be like?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, I didn't, expect it would be on this sort of trajectory i definitely had some pro aspirations before coming to princeton um i played actually with you know nycfc's rival new york red bulls um in like my youth year sort of in the academy system um and i i played with their second division team on like an amateur contract so to speak um so that was a professional environment so i had some exposure to it before coming to princeton Um, and so I knew that's something I wanted to do after college. I knew that I was going to pursue it in in some capacity and just kind of give it a shot while I'm young. Um, so it was definitely in mind, but you know, the way things kind of played out at Princeton, I wasn't really sure, um, you know, where, where it would take me, um, from a soccer perspective, but I think it was a great spot for me. I got to play it in, um, an attacking role, which I didn't really do too much in high school because at Red Bull, I was actually a left back. Um and now I'm being played as a as a right winger. Um, so it, you know it's fun being in the attack. I think Princeton gave me sort of free reign to, to do some things in the attack that I wasn't able to do in in other environments. So, um, all things considered, I think it, yeah, it was it was a great spot. For me.
0: Interesting. So were you recruited to play left back and then the someone just made the switch for you to be a striker? How did that transition happen?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, I was always a midfielder like in my youth years, but when I made the switch to Red Bull, I was left footed and. Lefties are kind of hard to come by, yeah. um, and so whenever, you know, coaches' ears perk up when they hear they have a lefty because they just can play him at left back, and yep. so that's that's kind of, <laughs> I got funneled into that position for that reason, um, but yeah, and then I, you know, the coaches here knew I had played midfield in the past, and I started to play in the midfield a little bit um, towards the end of my academy days with Red Bulls, so I think they saw me a little bit as an attacking player, but maybe didn't expect uh, me to be playing, you know, like a goal-scoring-slash-assisting role as, as maybe much as what happened.
0: Gotcha, and I, I, I would just like to add real quick that I have also played soccer okay. in my youth years. <laughs> was also a left-back growing up. Okay. I, honestly, to I don't know. share
1: that connection. A little
0: versatile. I played anywhere along the back. I just told my coaches anywhere along the back, put me and I'll do what, I, do what I need to do. Center back is my preferred position. Okay. Right back, I'm okay at. Left back, for some reason, I just like playing left back. So, you know, we we have a little bit in common. Nice, Are
1: were you left-footed as well? No, not right at all. Footed. So you can right cut foot. it onto your, on your right foot and exactly. left back. I exactly, exactly. Like and
0: okay. I, I will, like, I... I'm a very, very limited soccer player, so I barely even touched the ball with my <laughs> left foot. But I would like to say, if you ever watched like Antonio who played for Manchester United, man never touched the ball with his left foot, made it all the way to Manchester United. So that there is that was always my, my comment to coaches <laughs> telling me that I needed to use my left foot. I was like, no. I don't really need to look at this professional
1: player. <laughs> but but
0: I digress. So um, going back to your, your freshman season, and so the, the first offensive player of the year, was that in your fr- freshman or sophomore season? That was
1: sophomore season.
0: Sophomore season. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so could you just explain even that jump from freshman to sophomore year and what exactly it was in your preparation and everything that made you take such a leap that made you, or took you to the point where you were the Ivy League offensive player of the year?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, freshman year, I was sort of like getting my bearings I think it was again the first time I had sort of played in like an attacking role again um so I was just sort of understanding that position and um you know how the Ivy League uh style of play sort of works it's a super physical league and I came in a lot less in weight than I (laughs) am now and a lot less strong so that was definitely like one of the bigger adjustments freshman year and I think once I got past that year I sort of had you know 17 games of confidence behind me that like you know i could put together a better season um in, in the sophomore uh sophomore campaign so i actually came in injured into my sophomore year i missed the first four games of the season which is the
0: first four games and still League offensive <laughs> player of the year what's t- it continue I'm sorry. <laughs> <All There. good. laughs>
1: so yeah i i missed those first four games it was you know a, a little bit of a knee injury and it was just about kind of like building up strength and then just getting ready for the Ivy League games, which are always so important. Um, you know, yeah, the at a conference games certainly do matter in terms of seeding if you if you make it to the tournament, but like odds are like there's only gonna be one bid um to the NCAA tournament from Ivy League teams, and so you have to get that through the the conference play. Um so my goal at that point was just getting to getting to Dartmouth healthy. Um and that's sort of like when I had my best games in Ivy League play. I was just sort of like getting back from injury in the first few conference games I played and then Dartmouth came and I felt ready to go. Um, and I think I actually like accumulated like all my stats that year in the Ivy League games. What? So I think that's probably the reason why, you know, I, I was given Ivy League player of the year. I think they look more towards the conference games than like the you know, the out of conference games in, in deciding who gets that. So a little bit fortunate in that sense that they all came in the Ivy League games, but it, it also helped in that um, we made it to the tournament that year as well.
0: Gotcha. And then even just, just keeping it going, just working our way through your college years. So, we'll honestly, just fast forward to COVID, the one thing that yeah. disrupted every single one of our lives, disrupted a lot of athlete lives. Um, you were initially in the class of 2023 and then, or no, my 2021. 2021, yeah, yeah I <laughs> went the wrong, <laughs> went the wrong <laughs> way <Yeah. laughs> Initially in the class of 2021 when it came down to making that decision for you about whether or not to take your gap year, what would you say was the biggest factor in making your decision and why did you ultimately decide that you wanted to take the gap year?
1: Yeah. So I actually left the decision to literally the very last day I could decide. Um, I was super conflicted. I was thinking about actually, um, I guess like foregoing the athletic season and just, you know, finishing, um, my, my career, uh, online at Princeton. Um, and you know, the last day, like I felt like I would have some regrets if I gave up the opportunity to play another year. Um, for Princeton, especially because like uh, just the connection with like the student body and playing for your school is something that you know you only you get a finite time doing. um So I, I I probably would have felt pretty upset had I had I passed on that opportunity. And also I just like wasn't really sure what the professional prospects would be like after my junior year. It wasn't my strongest year, um and I wasn't sure there. You know there it wasn't around like a draft time. It was in the summer when I was making the decision. Um, my junior year wasn't the strongest, so I wasn't sure what you know, MOS prospects would look like. Um, and so, you know, for those reasons combined, I think I just wanted to give it another shot um, at Princeton. So I took the gap year, called my coach on the last day um, before the deadline, maybe like a couple hours before, um, and, and he was super excited. I was excited for the opportunity. Um, and yeah, that's, that's sort of how it came about.
0: Gotcha. And before we get to the extremely successful senior campaign that you just had, what exactly were you doing uh, with the gap year?
1: Yeah, so in the fall, um, about eight to 10 teammates and myself, uh, we decided to live in California for the fall semester. Um, And so we did like a big cross-country road trip, um, starting in New Jersey and ending in Mission Viejo, California. How long did that take? Um, It was like an eight-day trip. We kind of, we could have done it faster, but (laughs) we did some like sightseeing along the way, did some national parks, which was the, the big craze of COVID, obviously um so yeah it was it was just like a great traveling experience um great bonding with my teammates which I think like laid a really solid foundation for um this past year uh winning the league again it was just you know living with friends and teammates just like creates a a connection that you don't really get on campus because you you might have your practices together but you don't like actually spend the quality time off the field that maybe is required to put together like a, a strong team on the field so I think that was great um And it also allowed me to do some things that, you know, like a typical athlete doesn't necessarily do. I think like, you know, in terms of my identity, like it's very intertwined with soccer. And um, being able to do something outside of that sphere a little bit um, was definitely very healthy uh, mentally and just like finding other things that I'm interested in um, outside uh, athletics. So, um, yeah, it was a great year. That was the fall. We were in California. Um, and then in the spring, I was living off campus in Princeton with a similar group um, of guys it was teammates again. Um, we were living like just down the road, like eight minutes from here. Um, and yeah, it was just nice to be close to campus and, and be involved in some of the some of the activities going on around here.
0: Yeah. And honestly, you you bring up a few points that I think a lot of us could relate to from that last fall, especially. So what I did was and I don't. OK, now. Uh, first, I, I lived and lived in the area in Princeton in the fall, but. I was in an apartment. I luckily had a lot of my close friends back, and mm-hmm. we were all in apartments around each other. And we were able to do things that if school had been normal the whole time, we would not necessarily have gone to do. Like, because we were all making all our meals and all had kitchens, we would have, like, dinners together. Yep. Just more wholesome stuff that I don't think we would have ever had the opportunity to do. Sure. And so I think that in that period of time, we were all able to sort of Change our, our college experiences and adapted to the situation that we were living in. So it's great that it, like kind of like you just said, you're able to travel across cross country, which in a regular four year period you probably would have never gotten the opportunity to do, especially during the school year. So yeah, as much again, they I, one big thing about COVID for me especially has been like adapting your mindset and making the most out of every situation. And I do think that a lot of us were able to do that. And I don't want to say that I regret coming back to campus, but some of the things that my other friends did, or, uh, yeah, some of the things that my other friends did were they went to San Diego, they were in Atlanta, they just went to other cool locations to do school from, which, again, not something that we would ever usually have the opportunity to do. And in that period of time, they're like, okay, this is the shitty hand that we've been dealt, but let's let's make memories out of it. And it's great to hear that you were able to do that with your road trip and with your teammates. Yeah, definitely. And I
1: think, like, when I reflect on, like, I guess the five years that I've had here now, like some of my fondest experiences come from that gap year and like, you know, 20 years down the road, like I won't think of it as my gap year and like a break from Princeton. It was more of just like more college time that I got to spend with, you know, my college friends um, and, and making, you know, great memories along the way. Within like outside of the Princeton campus and community, obviously, yeah. but like still with the same people. That yeah, make
0: it, exactly. Make it special. Exactly. And honestly, a, a cross country road trip has been on my bucket list for the uh, longest time. Do <laughs> I need I need to do it. I might have to do it before I start work on July 28th. But I I've wanted to do it for so long. And I honestly have no excuse for not doing it. And it's the type of thing where when I start work full time, I'm not going to have two weeks to just take off exactly. to drive across the country. But where was your favorite state or stop along that road trip?
1: So on the way out, we stopped a couple of days in Colorado and actually did my first like overnight camp, which I had never done before. We so camped. You, you didn't do OA then, I'm
0: guessing? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I did not. I did
1: the, uh, the athlete orientation, okay. which, was, uh, which was the third option. about <laughs> no, like I didn't even <laughs> yeah. know that was one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we camped in Maroon Bells, which is like the greater Aspen region, I think it, it it's uh, where it's located. Mm-hmm. Um and we just kind of like posted up by like a little creek that was running through a valley and with two tents and camped out no service nothing like that and it was like my first sort of overnight outdoor <laughs> experience which was, a, which was a lot of fun like yeah. i like growing up like my family was never super into like outdoorsy trips um we we've, we've kind of turned a corner after like the the whole covid experience Um, we we do like a lot more of that now but um with soccer and school and all this stuff like we never really had the time um to, to do something like that, and so it was, like, a really cool experience that um, I think kind of, like, I, I found a new interest um, in something that I can do going forward in, during my soccer career, post-soccer career.
0: That's, again, another great thing to hear that's about, like, <laughs> adapting to the times. So yeah. Who would have thought that you'd find that passion, have that opportunity exactly. to do that? As for myself, I did OA. Don't... It's cool to say I did it. I never need to sleep outside again. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> one time one time was enough. I'm glad I have the story. It's like, like I didn't shower for a week. <laughs> I made all my meals. I was sleeping outdoors. But as far as doing it again, no need.
1: Yeah, to I think. mean, a week is kind of next level. I did it for one night. So maybe okay. I haven't had the full experience yeah. of like what camping for a week feels like. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't be as hyped about it otherwise. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it for, for the time that yeah. I did. It.
0: <laughs> and so now fast forward into this most recent season that you just had. Your senior season, I obviously I know the answer to this question, but how do you feel about that decision to take a gap year? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean it, it was a blast playing the season, and you know I don't I don't think I would have had this this post collegiate opportunity had it had it not been for the season.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you guys were able to go undefeated in Ivy League yeah. play. Um, you lost at St. John's in the St. John's, St. John's yeah, in the yeah. first round. Which fight, my boy? Shout out Luke Hansen, my best friend from high school. He plays center back at oh, St. Yeah? John's. So that was such a conflict of interest. It was mm, like I'm high sure. school friend versus my my boys from college. Who do I want to see go forward? <laughs> but just now looking back on the whole season, what would you? How would you rate the the season between the the successes that you had, maybe not going as far as you wanted to in, in the NCAA's? But how would you just rate the season overall?
1: I, I mean it was it was an amazing season it was definitely my favorite season um at Princeton I, I think going 7-0 in the Ivy League is especially um you know special like I think we were the first team to do it in the Ivy League since 2010 and it was also a Princeton team that did it um so 7-0 seasons are few and far between and, and doing it with um a, as a senior and a captain I think makes it a little bit extra special um so that was exciting. We also got, on our seventh win, we got Coach Barlow his 200th win as a coach for Princeton, which was also pretty cool. So the 7-0 season plus his 200th win, um, that was a pretty special night. And then obviously it was disappointing making it to the, to the tournament and losing in the first round. We, um, my sophomore year, we played in Michigan in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and we lost in 14 rounds of penalties.
0: 14 rounds of wow. 14. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, we had,
1: we had a few guys take multiple penalties, and it was... It was it was a game I'll never forget. It was in the snow at Michigan. Tons wow. of fans. So it was like, definitely definitely a cool game experience. But we definitely wanted a redemption from it uh, this past year, which we didn't get, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll look back fondly me on the season for sure. Yeah,
0: exactly. And obviously, a, g- a lot of great things to take away. Like you said, 200th win for your coach, 7-0 yeah. in the Ivy League play again. Yeah, nothing to, nothing to hang your heads <laughs> over, I would say, about the season. Yeah. Um, And so now transitioning into into um the last few the last month for you which is has been huge um take me to draft night especially and what were your thoughts going into the night did you know going in that you would have a realistic shot of being drafted just take me through your through to the night through the night not getting your name called because i specifically want to ask about that but just like your your mindset going into the night
1: yeah. So I knew that there were a few teams that were interested just from having conversations with my coaches and also like did a couple of, of calls with these teams specifically. So I knew there was some interest out there. I didn't know um, how deep the interest was because like the teams don't really want to show their cards to, mm-hmm. to the players because they want to like maintain a little bit of leverage. and They don't want you to think that, you know, like you're their top guy. Um, so you can leverage that and go to another team. And be like, hey, this team's super interested in me. Like, you might want to take me earlier. Yeah,
0: it's all it's all mind games. <laughs> it's all it's all it's all mind
1: games at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I I knew there was some interest, but I didn't really know how how real that was um, until until the actual day. But um, you know, I I had a suspicion that like maybe I'd go second round. Um, just you know, I think like the profile of the Ivy League is a little bit lower than some of the you know ACC Pac twelve schools. So. I knew those guys were sort of like the first would be the first guys to go just based on like the visibility that those leagues get um, among uh, the MLS. Um, So I thought that second round was was definitely achievable. But um, I think to go and I did, I was a little bit surprised, but super excited.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And so now for that moment specifically, what are the emotions that are going through your mind when you hear your name called in the MLS draft? Keep in mind, this is a dream of millions of kids yeah. to go pro and have their name called in whatever draft it might be so what were those feelings like what were those emotions like do you have does it flash into your mind the first time you ever kicked a soccer ball just what what, <laughs> what is that specific moment like for yeah, you
1: yeah so honestly it, it might not be the answer you're expecting but like as soon as my name got called I kind of just started laughing <laughs> um, that is most definitely not <laughs> what I wanted to hear <laughs> just because I, I, th- I thought the situation was so funny just because like NYCFC is a huge rival of Red Bull and mm-hmm. I'd been with Red Bull for about like eight years before that yeah. Um, And so for Red Bull to kind of pass on me and then, you know, their rival club to take me, I just thought was kind of like a hilarious irony. (laughs) Um, So I like when my name was called, I just started laughing, um, which was kind of funny. And then like maybe it sank in a little bit later that like this was a dream realized Um, just to, you know, uh, I'm actually still in the process of kind of trying out for the team because the draft sort of entitles you to a tryout with the team, but it doesn't secure you a spot on the roster indefinitely. So. Um, I'm in that process. So like, it's still, it's, it's like, I'm excited. I'm part of the way there, but I'm not all the way there yet. Um, and so I'm working towards that right now, but either way, it was, it was definitely a really special moment. I think there's something unique about the draft and hearing your name called that, um, that yeah, I'll always remember. Um, and yeah, like you said, like people dream about that and that's something I've dreamt about as well. So that was really special. I had family and some friends there, um, and, yeah, just to have their support right on the spot was really cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, again, like you just – and I don't even think – actually, no, I think that probably is how it is for most sports. That yeah, you, probably. When you get drafted, it's not like you sign the contract the next day unless you're like, what's Joe Burrow, who's right. – shout out <laughs> Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. Insa- insanity. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, that actually does make a lot of sense. And, obviously, you're aware, like – for every single one of us the hard work is always still going on you always have to grind and maintain your spot and all that good stuff but just forget in reality for a little bit and again go (laughs) back to the fact that you just got drafted what are what so that happens your name gets called what are those next 24 hours like does a team like reach out to you saying like get your butt here tomorrow so you can start playing like pretty much pretty much yeah yeah so
1: so you know i think my coach at princeton coach barlow called me first and he was like and you know, super excited for me. It was like you know, the, I think one of the assistant coaches is gonna reach out probably tonight, um, and, and he'll sort of give you some more details. Um, and I got a call from, um, one of one of the guys in like upper management at the club, and said that, um, you know, there was gonna be a preseason training camp in Orlando, a preseason training camp in Mexico, um, and that you should be coming to the facility for like lifting before that. Um, and he was like, you know, you should be ready to go as early as you know, 48 hours from now. And I was like, wow, all right, so <laughs> quick turnaround. <laughs> that's a wow. quick turnaround. Okay. And you know, yeah. I, I did expect that because I know the season is kind of just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also like accelerating the season a little bit because the World Cup's going to be held in the winter. Yeah. So yeah, they're yeah, trying yeah. to end it by like October, which is like a timetable that's like cut the season short by like two months. So oh, preseason's God. coming in earlier this year. Um, so I knew it was going to be a quick turnaround, but. You know, 48 hours was definitely definitely a little hasty, (laughs) Um, but, you know, fortunate in that the facility is like 35 minutes from my house um, in Montclair, New Jersey. I I just drive to Orangeburg, New York is where the facility is. So um, it made the first few days of commuting pretty, pretty doable. And then four days later, I was uh, on a plane to Orlando for the first camp.
0: Gosh, and that's honestly kind of insane that the facility is as close as 30 minutes from your house. So So was it, were you, what was the feeling of being drafted so close to home? Was it? like relieved where you're like, oh, I want to go to LA. Like, what, what was that feeling like? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, part of me wanted a, a little bit of a new experience. I'm from New Jersey. Um, I actually did um, spend two years of my life in Poland. My dad had a job over there and the whole family relocated for a couple of years. Um, but outside of that, you know, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school in New Jersey, college in New Jersey. Um, and so part of me wanted a bit of a new experience um, in a different city. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, being in New York kind of, is the ideal situation right now because it allows me to spend some time here as well while I'm finishing uh, my last semester and record on go with the flow. Record on go with the flow, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be here otherwise. So work out for the best. But thank yeah, thank you, NYC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, my my family's close by too, so I, I, I they can be you know a touch point all the time. So yeah, I think it's at the end of the day, all things considered, it's a it's a really great spot and. I don't think had it happened, I would have really appreciated um, how great of a spot in New York City could have been for, like, all these reasons. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so how—and this was honestly my first thought, and even when you walked in here, I mentioned it a little bit. How have you been able to balance being a Princeton student, which is no joke for anybody, with being a professional athlete? Because— Before this, you were a student athlete and everyone, like there's a bunch of student athletes, they make it work. Not easy at all, as I've said many times Mm -hmm. on this podcast, but now this is a different type of beast. You're a professional, there are certain expectations out of you, Um, you are not on your campus anymore, so how exactly are you being able, have you been able to balance in this last week being uh, a professional athlete and doing all the training and everything that's required with all the classes that you still have to take at Princeton, which I hope aren't too many. (laughs) Not too many,
1: which is is kind of a saving grace. And like, honestly, so far the balance has definitely been skewed towards soccer. Like last week was the first week of class. Obviously I'm enrolled in two classes right now, which definitely lightens the load. Um, but it is still a tricky balance of, like, how many classes will my professors really allow me to do over Zoom? versus. Which should be
0: all of them. If you're one of his professors of listen. it should be all his classes. The <laughs> man just got drafted. He doesn't care about your class. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Sorry. Continue.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, so I, like, I, I've been pretty fortunate that I've had, like, pretty accommodating professors. Um, so I was able to do – I have, like, a seminar class that meets once per week. I did that last week while I was in Orlando. And then I have another professor who's um, – He's offered to sort of like do the lectures with me, um, outside of class time. Oh, what's uh, is shout sweet. out to these professors! Yeah, I didn't mean ac- to
0: come off aggressive. It sounds like you have <laughs> been very accommodating, and he appreciate I appreciate that too. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. No,
1: but um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of like a whole process of emailing professors beforehand. Like I kind of had to like anticipate this a little bit and prepare for this scenario. So like two months. Prior, like, I was emailing professors being like, if, you know, if this scenario happens, like, will you be able to, like, can I still take your class? Um,
0: (laughs) Subject line, might get drafted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, pretty much.
1: Um, So, yeah, that it's, it's worked out pretty well so far. I haven't haven't had too much work in the first week or two, but. Um, I'm sort of getting the thesis fears now that like, you know, I've got a goose egg in, in, in page numbers. <laughs> so I need to start cranking on that. Otherwise I'm going to be in trouble. But
0: which is another thing that I'm very glad that you mentioned a thesis, which <clears throat> I <laughs> like to think a thesis should be optional. I don't see a reason it should be required. As a senior who is fortunate enough to have my job for next year, I don't really care about my thing. Is. I just want to get my degree and move on with my life. I enjoy tend to my agree. F- enjoy <laughs> my friends for a little bit. So, do you think that there should be some sort of stipulation where in the in the event that you get drafted while you're <laughs> still a Princeton student, you should be exempt from a thesis? What are your thoughts on that? You know,
1: I would be in favor of such a stipulation. <laughs> I definitely would be. It would it would make my life a lot easier, for sure. Um, but honestly, like right now, it's just like the stress of starting it is just like it's just a little bit daunting that, yeah. like, I have to start this while I'm also like trying to make a team. It's yeah. just like a lot of different stressors. Um, but I think, you know, what? I think once I put pen to paper, I can try to start rolling on it. But I'm, I'm definitely not looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I
0: don't think any. I, I don't want to say any. And I, OK, no, this is why I think it should be optional, because I think there are some students who are genuinely like. Oh my goodness, a thesis. I can't wait to write this. I can't wait to publish they it. Exist. And God bless them. They should be able to go ahead and write as many theses as they want. But mm-hmm. as for the rest of us, don't force us to do this. Do you know how much more enjoyable my senior year would be if I hadn't if I didn't have the thesis hanging over me all year? And even me, like I've made a little bit of progress. Mm-hmm. But all first semester when I wasn't doing as much of it as I should be, it was just always hanging over my head. Oh yeah, that's it I was, a cloud. Literally. It's a cloud. I, I was, when I was on one of my trips, this break, I there's no reason I should be in Dubai thinking about my senior thesis. Right. Zero reason. But for whatever reason, it popped in my head. I was like, oh, I should have done more with that. And I was like, this is just unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't be on vacation thinking about my senior thesis. So moral of the story is senior thesis should be optional for especially drafted athletes. <laughs> but I think for all seniors
1: I agree yeah it's it just follows you everywhere it followed you to Dubai it followed you to Mexico I'll me th- say <laughs> that trip it didn't quite crash thankfully okay, but good, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um okay and so um is okay and I just asked asked you about this um never mind I asked you answer this because you're good. You're good at this. So you don't, you, you kind of already saw the questions. You already answered the ones that I was going to (laughs) ask. So I'm not going to get into that. Uh, so the next question, the preseason training, how, how has that been? How would you describe the intensity, the difference between the, uh, college versus the professional level? Just what, what has that uh, transition been like?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, it's definitely been a step up in terms of like speed of play. I think that's like one of the things that, um, I think probably is hits first for like a lot of college players going going to the next levels. Just to like the speed of play is that much quicker. Um, you're playing with like a lot of guys who didn't play in college. Like most of these guys, like most of my teammates are international, like from Argentina, Brazil. Um, so these guys have like dedicated their lives to professional soccer careers. They haven't had like any sort of like a thesis. College, <laughs> uh, a thesis. Exactly. Um, so like they're accustomed to the speed of play, and like the college game is definitely a bit slower um so you know the first couple of days was just about like getting my footing and like adjusting to that speed um you get punished for like taking bad touches way more than you than you would in, in the college game um but you know i think I, f- I feel like i've adapted pretty well like over my career to like upticks in speed of play so i think like this is just sort of the next stepping stone and once i once i get used to it i think i think i'll be all right but yeah preseasons uh, the first camp went pretty well um Struggled a bit the first few practices, but sort of got my feet under me. Um, did what, well. <laughs> funny irony was that we were supposed to play Orlando City in our first scrimmage down in um, down in Florida, and we ended up playing Red Bull. Nice, the very first game. So I knew I knew like half the players, a lot of the staff, which was which was kind of funny. Um, I assisted in the game, which was kind of cool. Nice, um, f- felt good to do that, but. Yeah, so, and then, and then second week was, was much better. I, I sort of acclimated a bit um, to the pace, and, yeah, it, it was pretty good.
0: And would you say that the the pace and the strength has been the biggest of the adjustments?
1: Yeah, I would. I think just, yeah, getting punished for bad habits. Um, just, like, you know, I, I feel like in the past, like, you can kind of, this is maybe, like, a little bit nitty-gritty, it's like, soccer terminology, but, like, you can sort of, like, pick the ball up on either foot and, like, turn and face a defender and, like, sort of try like I could try to find my way out of it whereas now if I take a touch on my back foot if I take take a touch with my back facing a defender like I'll just get absolutely crushed yeah. And that's like <laughs> something I wasn't I mean I should have been prepared for but wasn't really used to so it took a couple of days to get that um that part down of it and just sort of like make micro adjustments yeah
0: and how many other how many other people did the did NYc draft
1: so there's three of us total okay yeah and
0: how has been that bond with the with the other with the other
1: two it's been great um you know it's definitely because it's a trout environment it's like you would think it'd be a bit more cutthroat at least among the draft players but I actually haven't really experienced that like the two guys are like genuinely great guys and you know I spend most of my time with them um over the first trip and like we all want each other to do well um which I think makes like those relationships special because like I'm not sure that's the case for most other environments like especially I mean I can imagine that, like, in, on some teams, there are draft picks that, like, don't maybe get along because they yeah. play similar positions and, like, they're fighting, competing for a spot, which is very natural. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been great hanging out with them. And, like, I've gotten pretty close with them over the past couple weeks.
0: And this is another thing that I always wonder about. Um, what was it like meeting the team for the first time? Because in my mind, I have like the only soccer TV show that now exists is Ted Lasso. And I just started watching Great that show. Great show. Yeah. So in my mind, it's like you walking in and there's like a mean Roy Kent type person <laughs> who's just like staring you down, just like growl mm-hmm. at you. There's a I'm fr- Jamie Tart. There's like that type of personality. Yeah. What is it like just like walking in the locker room for the first time and just interacting with everyone?
1: Yeah. So the first day I went to their training facility, I think I was like one of the first to arrive. I had to get there early to test. Um, and then I went into the gym, um, to, to do like a lift with the strength trainer. And there was only one guy in there at the time. Um, and he's probably the nicest guy on the team. So I had like a very welcome introduction to the team, um, which was great. And it was like kind of a s- slow progression. Cause like I was required to come in a few days before the rest of the team. So there were like optional lifts and practices like in those first few days. So I was like slowly introduced to like two guys the first day, five guys the next day, 10 guys the next day. So um it's kind of like at my own pace and it was like a good like assimilation into the into the team Um, yeah which
0: honestly I'm I'm guessing you would like a lot better than walking into a locker room full of grown men like 100% hey guys guys, I'm the rookie (laughs) (laughs) yeah just got drafted hey I had homework last week yeah Yeah. (laughs) how you doing (laughs) you want to know what my thesis is about (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) I'm just there's this really funny Um, meme I have in my head. Do you know who Martin Odegaard is? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and so so back in the day when he was, like, supposed to be the next prodigy, everyone was like, oh, my God, he's the next Ronaldo when Real Madrid signed him. He, like, subbed on for Ronaldo one time. They thought it would be, like, an iconic picture. He's kind of just, like, been an okay player. But there's this picture of him on the bench next to, I think it was Gareth Bale and Bill's just, like, looking really seriously ahead, and Odegaard really looks, like, really into the conversation, and the comment is, like, so on Fortnite last night, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so how do you even relate yeah. to with someone who's that much older than you? Right, <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, there's, there's definitely an age range. Um There's guys who are younger than me, like, for this preseason camp, a lot, like, what a lot of MLS teams do is they'll bring some of their academy players um, just to give them, you know, an experience with the first team and also... Um, to you know, fill, fill some numbers for the preseason camp. So we had, like, a couple of 14-, 15-year-olds at camp with wow. us, which is crazy. That is insane. Which is, like, these guys are seven years younger than me, and I'm playing with guys seven <laughs> years older than me. So it's just, like, a very big range um, in age. And, and yeah, so uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, it's weird not being the youngest guy on the team after just getting drafted, you Yeah, know? yeah. It's, like, there are guys seven years younger than me who are doing this now, too. It's which just, I'm...
0: Do, they they don't have school. I'm mad confused. How does oh, that they, how does that even work? They definitely
1: work? have school. They just don't go.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Wait. So oh, so you so you played in the Red Bulls Academy. Was where? How did that work? So they, were there kids who were also training up like that? Or? Yeah.
1: So I I did it a little bit in high school. Not that young. I was like six. I was like sixteen, seventeen when I did. I went okay. to a preseason camp with Red Bulls once. But I mean, from my understanding the US game is trying to adapt to the European game Where and they like start playing so early. exactly yeah. they start playing so early they're not going to they're not going to i mean high school maybe they're getting like an education through the club mm. for high school but they're not doing like any post high school education um so the clubs are just trying to like snatch up these players super early when they're 14 15 if they identify talent um and you know try to sell them at you know 18 19 for quadruple the amount that they had to yeah, pay for really. like so it's Like all the European teams yeah. Exactly, it's just like an investment opportunity for these clubs, for better or for worse. Yeah, like I mean, Probably for worse <laughs> for the kids yeah, because yeah. they don't get like an actual like youth experience like in school and, and soccer, but yeah, that's sort of how, how the game is adapting here.
0: And what are your thoughts on that? Just more general, because I, I didn't, so I was born in Nigeria and I didn't yeah. move to America until I was nine, so didn't even know what the MLS was for the longest time. Only grew up watching like the EPL, all these mm-hmm. other leagues and discover what the MLS was saw there when like the David Beckhams came over and started yeah. to really grow the game over here so what are your thoughts on how far the MLS has been able to come in comparison to these other leagues in the last 10 years cuz i would i think it's come a long way because back in the day, I don't think it was watchable at all. But now it's like the quality is very, very high. It's actually fun to watch. So just what are your thoughts on how much the game has grown here in America? Yeah,
1: it definitely has. I think a lot of that is an, an emphasis on getting younger international players. Um, so, like, obviously, I'm a beneficiary of the draft model. But, like, I think the MLS is definitely trying to phase that out because college isn't the greatest pipeline for for um, for the league if they want to be competing with some of these European clubs. Yeah. Um so yeah they're trying to I mean the league's trying to get younger and younger and more international. Um you know they're trying to pick off some of the best players like Toronto just signed um Lorenzo Insigne who's yep. an international uh Italian international. Um so he'll he'll he's like a relatively young guy and he'll like probably be the face of the league next year. Um so that's they're trying to get guys like that into the league and they're trying to make the youth academies um for these clubs reflect some of the European teams as well where like that's the pipeline. It's from the youth academies into the first teams, rather than from college into the into the first teams.
0: Yeah, yeah, and honestly, the the only I'm forgetting his name now. Do you know the name of the guy who he plays for Leeds United? He went to Wake Forest. Guy,
1: Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison. Yes.
0: yes. Yes. And I think he's been like the stellar example of like, 100%. oh, you get tr- like you go play in college and then you leave and then you go abroad. Yep. But I don't think there's been as much of that as maybe like. The American higher-ups in soccer would have wanted, and so now they're starting to shift over to this different model.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's definitely like yeah, the examples are few f- and far between. Like Jack Harrison is one. Even he, he was at Manchester United in in their academy system when he was younger. and I'm not sure the reasons why he came to Wake Forest, but um, he was there for one year and then ended up going back to Europe. Dominated, yeah. Dominated, <laughs> Looked yeah. at his stats. Dominated, yeah. <laughs> he, did, he did. I think he won the Mac Kerman, which is like the Heisman essentially okay. of soccer when he was a freshman, which is yeah. super impressive. But yeah, yeah, I think another one's Tajon Buchanan. We actually played against him at Syracuse my freshman year. He um he was on New England Revolution. He made the MLS Best 11 team this past year. Wow. Um, and he's playing for the Canadian National Team. Um, they just beat the U.S. I was about to say, speaking of which, they yeah. just did. Yeah, that, it did. That
0: was a... I sh- say not even shocking. Canada's actually been playing yeah, they've
1: really been well Yeah, they been for sure.
0: Um, but even just on this topic still, the, even the, the, the strides that the U.S. National Team has taken in the last, like, four to six years, because there was a time when all the players, it seemed like they had been there for, like, Ages. I'm not gonna name any names. I don't know why I'm not naming names like they're ever gonna listen to the podcast. But <laughs> it was just a bunch of old men who was like at a certain point you gotta phase people out, but now there's household names in the team like Sergio right. Des, Christian Pulisic. So they're starting to to bear to what's the word? What's the saying? Bear the fruits of the labor. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Sure, and yeah. Can get those results, which I think is kinda cool. Yeah. And I'm rooting for them. I will always root for Nigeria, Nigeria first. Of course. We just crashed out of the AFCON. <laughs> Oh One of the yeah. most disappointing losses we lost to Egypt, or we beat Egypt in the very first round, dominated them thoroughly. We're the only team to win all three games in the group stage, and then lose to Tunisia in the oh. in the round of sixteen, That's and now Egypt during the semifinals. That's I'm like, right. we should be there. So, source so oh, subject. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it. I'm so, I hope the USA makes a World Cup. We'll oh see. my god. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it'd be a tragedy <laughs> if not two years, or two, World, two cups World Cups running. Cups yeah, yeah.
0: Round, yeah, yeah. Um, but. You just mentioned a guy that you played against uh, at Syracuse. And I actually have this question right now. Mm-hmm. Who would you say is either like the best player you've ever played against, or the the hardest player you've ever played against?
1: That's a good question. I've played with. So I guess I'll start with played with because I oh, played with played, a couple oh, yes, of yes, really. Yes, yes. I played, played with, with some really good players. I played with Tyler Adams, who's on the national team yep, now, another one. um, yep. and plays at Red Bull Leipzig. So I was with him when I played for Red Bull two, the second division team, um, he was also re- really young. He was like 16 or 17. I was around the same age. Um, so he's like, you know, a friend and incredible player who I played with. Um, Aaron long is another guy who's been, he's a center back. He's been with the national team too. He's been captain of the team. Um, and he now plays for the Red Bull first team. Um, those are two guys who like, w- yeah, when I get asked this question, I'm like two guys I go to cause they're, they're r- relatively well known. Um, I mean, also now, like just being with New York City, um, Tati Castellanos is a guy. He just won the Golden Boot last year in the MLS. Um, he's he's 23, and I think he'll have he'll have some prospects now in Europe. Um, and Maxi Morales is another. He's an attacking midfielder for the team. He's like 34 now, so <laughs> a, little <bit> <laughs> he's a, he's a little bit older. A little bit older. Um, but but yeah, still still balling. So yeah. yeah, I think those guys would probably. Be my answers to that, yeah.
0: Gotcha, nice. And then the next question, in your humble opinion, who is the greatest soccer player ever? Out of curiosity.
1: Uh, Messi for sure. I'm a oh, Messi guy. Are you an older guy? I
0: let a Messi guy on the podcast. <laughs> Cut it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am. I am. I'm a Ronaldo You're guy. You are an older because guy. Because I'm, I grew up a Man U fan. He was my guy. Okay. Him yeah. Coming back I mean, to the, the, the team, bad. made my made it's my poetic. year. Yeah. So it's yeah. So. Honestly, I'm not mad at your opinion. I've <laughs> argued this with so many friends Oh yeah, for the longest time. I will never budge and say that Ronaldo is the greatest. Whatever, I don't care how many fucking Ballon d'Ors Messi has. I don't <laughs> care, I don't care, I don't care. He shouldn't have won it this year. Lewandowski should have won it. Yes,
1: I, I, d- I tend to agree with that. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's fair. Okay. And in your experience, how many... Messi to Ronaldo, like what? What's the tally amongst your friends and like people you've talked to? Like Messi to Ronaldo, like who? Like have you found that it's more Messi? They tend
0: to ski more Messi, which makes for more arguments and more uh, losing a lot of friendships. But (laughs) (laughs) you're always
1: on the defense. Always,
0: always on the defense. Always on the defense. Uh, On the same same vein. Uh, MJ versus LeBron. Who's your Who's your basketball goat?
1: (sighs) This one's tough. I've argued this so many times with my teammates as well. I I think. Definitely skewed towards MJ after wa- after watching the Last Dance, especially. I agree. Um. So yeah, I- I'm gonna stick by MJ. Um. I-, I also just like like the way he conducts himself better than LeBron. I like. LeBron has every right to be arrogant. I just think it's over the top sometimes <laughs> um, and I don't take to it as as well. Um, so maybe part of it's just like the off-the-court stuff that I gravitate more towards MJ. But I mean, like watching The Last Dance, like MJ was a baller, so you can't, you can't really go wrong with that. Agreed.
0: Hit. And I, I remember tweeting right before the first episode of The Last Dance. I was like, right now I'm in the court that LeBron is better than MJ, but I'm fully ready to be swayed. And boy, was and I you swayed. Were swayed. Wow. Boy, was I swayed. That was one of... Again, because we weren't alive to watch MJ, yeah. and so we don't get to—we never got to witness firsthand the greatness that had been talked that we hear so many people talk about. Right. But it was just a certain level of dominance that I don't think we've seen since. I think right. Kobe's way more similar to MJ than LeBron is, and for me, it's, it's a mentality thing. I'm not even mad yeah. at someone because. He was a dickhead. Most people hated him. But I'm not <laughs> mad at him being like that on the court if you back it up with your play. 100%. And he did all the time. 100% record in the finals, all these great stuff. So yeah, MJ for me, he's, he's that dude. Yeah. And I am someone who... <clears throat> Which is again the league isn't as physical as it used to be, but that's obviously to protect their multi-million dollar stars and all that fun stuff. The mm-hmm. players are all buddy buddy now, but even just watching how the league was back in the day, so physical, all the players hated each other, real beef, and MJ yeah. still just dominating everyone. I'm like, this, he's that dude. Yeah,
1: it's true, it's true. Um, I think that's yeah, that's a huge part of it. Like the league was so physical back then, yeah. and he and he still persevered and got all those all those rings. Yeah. Um, yeah. how do you feel about like? the generational aspect of it like do you think there's a valid argument to be made that like you know LeBron is better just because like athletes have progressed over the last 20 years and so that makes LeBron automatically better than MJ or do you think like we have to contextualize them within like the era they played
0: I think uh, a little bit of both I think you definitely have to contextualize them but I also think that MJ would dominate this generation yeah and I'd like within without a shadow of a doubt like I said I think Kobe is the most similar to who he was yeah. and Kobe just dominated at just like MJ did. So, yeah. And, P- and I, again, what, it was around when the last dance came out because that, that was early COVID that w- we were all at home. I remember after every single episode, what, especially this one group chat I had with my friends, when they were like, oh, MJ didn't play against anyone. And then I went and made a top five list at every position uh-huh. in the league at that time, and it's some of the best names all Hall of Famers. Yeah. So I don't think there's that... Sound of an argument that he his competition wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Playing against Charles Barkley in the finals, guarded by Gary Payne, All these, all right, these names, right. all these legends. So, yes, MJ, 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 and his sneakers are just, MJ game, best sneakers, the,
1: in the best, game. Best, sneakers
0: best sneakers ever, sneakers the game, best yeah. sneakers ever. Um, <laughs> but with that, I think we can we've done forty-five minutes. Look how fast that goes. Wow, it Does, does not feel fast. like it, but <laughs> we can um, get to the music section. Sure. So, could you pull out the the songs that I asked you to, to prepare?
1: I can, yeah.
0: And David, we need to find a name for this segment, man. We've, right now, we just call it the, like, song segment (laughs) that tells about my guests. But (laughs) we need a nice, short, concise name for this segment.
1: I'll brainstorm as well. (laughs) Yes, please. Anybody
0: who's listening, just text me, shoot me a message. What do you think this segment should be called? But okay, like, as always, I ask the guests to come with five songs that I think describe who they are as a person. I like to leave it up to interpretation. I don't say anything more, anything less. And so, Kevin has his list. Can we get Idea.
1: song number one, please? So, <laughs> song number one on this list is "Do What I Want" by Lil Uzi. Great song. Any like anyone who knows me knows I, I just have like an irrational love for Lil Uzi. Love that. Um, <laughs> I, like he, he's like Barnon on like my favorite artist. Um, I, I mean, in terms of personality, I just like love his like eccentricity. Yeah. I think he's like like so cool and like unashamed in who he is, and I like really admire that. Um, and I just love his music. I think it sounds great. Um, that is a so, that
0: is a great song. Great. Yeah. That is on my that is on my feel good playlist. And then also I have a specific playlist for like when I'm done with the school year and it's like <laughs> break time and do what I want is like the go to because literally oh, I love I'm that. done with classes, done with everything. Now I do what I want. Yeah, there's love definitely that. a mood for that. Yeah,
1: and that that fits the bill. Do love what that. I want for sure? I love song it. number two. Cool song number two is Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones there's kind of a diversity of songs which on I like I appreciate that Yeah, and
0: I want to be put onto different songs
1: so that one that one's kind of just to reflect like, I don't know if that's like my favorite Rolling Stones song per se but like I definitely have like a big rock and roll influence from my dad um, I've gone to a couple Rolling Stones concerts with him so like I'm definitely a rock and roll fan. I, I like a lot of different genres of music. I'm not, I'm not very particular. Even Emma's kind of put me on to, to country. Shout out mu- Emma. Shout out Emma's Emma. the
0: homie. Emma Davis. You're the best. We, <laughs> hope, you're, you we are, hope you're listening. You no, she are the be best. Listening. She will definitely listen to this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so I mean, she's even put me on to country music, music, which like, I was like super against. Um, but They're, like I actually, I actually do like it. I agree. I just had to keep an open mind. I
0: think that the, the the I don't like country music, and that there's no good country music. That is like a very like childish take that I is. used it's to hold as well. Exactly. And then we went to Nashville for fall break, and when I tell you all <laughs> we did was bump country music yeah. for a whole week, and there are some great country music songs.
1: Hundred percent. It's a vibe at the right time. Exactly. I like it. Exactly. I like it. Song number three. Number three is "Better Together," Jack Johnson. Um, so I like this, when I don't know him because it puts me on the stuff. Yeah, so this one is, is kind of just a throwback to like like nostalgia being in like my mom's Toyota Sequoia. We always had the Jack Johnson CD playing and this was the first song that always came on. Um and it just like reminds me of childhood. Um, so that's why it's on there.
0: Nice, nice song number four.
1: This one's super corny, but it's draft day by Drake. Not uh, great. Also, fire song. Great. Yep. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know, draft day is like a day I always remember. And like, hopefully it'll change my life because, you know, I hope to sign with the first team pretty soon. But yeah, that's it's on there for that. I think it's pretty cool. And I definitely I definitely bumped it a couple of times on the day. as well. you, you should. <laughs> <laughs> And song number
0: five.
1: Yeah. The last one is uh, La Bicicleta by Carlos Vivas and Shakira. I feel
0: like I, I, feel like I have that song. Yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's, that that's one. Cool. um just kind of there to like uh I, I have um some spanish uh heritage my grandmother's from venezuela um speaks spanish my mom speaks spanish um i had uh it's kind of like a nanny growing up who was from venezuela she only spoke in spanish um so she kind of t- you know taught me the language as well because um, it's how we communicate but um I, i've definitely connected with my spanish side O'Toole is irish my last name um which comes from my my dad's dad um, which unfortunately he passed when I was pretty young, so I didn't, you know, connect as closely with the the Irish side of my family. Although, um, you know, my, my dad has kept that alive as well. But um, I definitely connect very strongly to m- to my Spanish roots, um, and so yeah, that's why that's on there too.
0: And other than the fact that I get to be put onto different songs from this segment, another reason that I really like it is based on the way people take the question. You get to learn so much about them, which is why I remember the first goal that I did it with Aisha each one was like so meaningful to her exactly like it was for you and I got to learn a little bit about you and so this segment is here to stay we just need to find a name for it it's a great
1: segment I'm a huge fan it was was fun brainstorming the songs and like trying to connect them to like different parts of me Cause like if it was just five favorite songs, like it'd be Uzi. uzi yeah. <laughs> not gonna lie. You see
0: um, the top artist in your Spotify Wrapped?
1: Oh God, yeah, he was. I, I'm actually on Apple Music, but like last year, that I, is shameful. It, it, yeah, no, it's a bit shameful. I feel like yeah, like every, everyone's going towards Spotify, so I need to make the transition too. I'm just a little behind the curve.
0: No, and honestly, this is a very good time to do it because I was Team Apple Music, and that was a hill I was willing to die on up until yeah. the start of last year. And it wasn't until January of 2021 that I made the switch because i wanted an accurate spotify rap so okay cool. now would be a good it time to be do it time, so your spotify yeah, yeah. rap to be pretty accurate because as someone who's done both Spotify's way better the, the
1: metrics are better the
0: metrics are way better you want to be hmm. put onto different music new yeah. music you'll find a lot of things the way you can you can like enhance a playlist so if you have a playlist you can hit the button enhance it'll double the size of no the playlist way. with similar songs Mind crazy. blown. Insane. I didn't these know these features existed. There's so much on there. I won't even spoil them for you. I'll let you get <laughs> it and just so you can just uh, look around <laughs> in the app and really yeah. figure out what it is that you want to, why you want to switch. Yes, yeah. highly recommend switching. Um, and now for the very last segment, yeah. we have the Tiger Confession segment. So I go on Tiger Confessions, um, find questions, comments, statements, just read them out and me and my guests react to them always guess first <laughs> and honestly this one is very very on topic with the with the topic of this episode and it says how the F do people even find time to write their senior theses
1: <laughs> we, we've discussed this one I length already haven't we yeah yeah, yeah. and it's, it's I don't know I don't yeah. know it's yeah it's a question of the century question of the question of the day especially I had like I had um my my seminar todays with happens to be with my thesis advisor and you know I as I, as I divulged already on, on the show, I have written zero pages. Um, and so I, I, <laughs> I walked into my seminar today just, like, expecting the question from my professor, like, oh, how's the progress on the thesis? And so I'm just, like, kind of ducking in my way into class. I, like, sit down at my desk. I'm, like, try not to make eye contact with him and, like, just bolt out of class. <laughs> so I don't have to like I don't have to be asked the question, how, how is the thesis coming? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that one resonates with me pretty deeply. I don't know how you get started.
0: And it honestly, it's same here where if anyone has suggestions, please shoot them my way. But also a very <laughs> similar story. So I'm a neuro major. For neuro, you get assigned to a lab. You get assigned to a thesis advisor. So I've been assigned to mine. And the lab meets once every week. And so I met with him, I came in, I was like, I'm gonna be so on top of my thesis, I'm gonna have it all done. Because another thing for neuro is, you do your JP with the same advisor and you're allowed to just branch out on it for mm-hmm. your senior thesis. So I actually had a great foundation laid uh, junior Helpful. spring. I came in and I was like, okay, senior, I'm gonna knock this out so soon. I'm set up in, a, uh, in a, an appointment with him like week one, meet with him, he gives me some stuff to do for the thesis don't do it till like week six. (laughs) And week six comes around, still really haven't done much. Uh, We meet again. I'm like, oh my bad, like I've been so busy, blah, 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 blah. Another two months goes and this takes us to like a week and a half (laughs) (laughs) ago. We meet for the third time and then we finally make some solid progress. But it took me a whole semester to even do the few things he wanted me to do. And so every time I would show up to lab, I would be always so nervous like,
1: Oh, is he I about to ask me theory. about my progress? <laughs>
0: um, and thankfully, shout out to Jesse. Jesse's the best. He is never like mad at me about how little I've done because, again, senior spring. I have a, whatever, whatever. But yeah, he's yeah. always a nice about it. So helpful. So shout out Jesse. Shout out the Brain Development Lab. Love
1: them all. <laughs> but
0: I'm sorry I have not been a great, a great student <laughs> this semester. I second
1: that. I apologize to my
0: future <laughs> <piece of> manager. <my laughs> um, and second one, which is very on topic with bicker going on. Um, which again, I. This has been a very enjoyable conversation. I had nine bicker conversations yesterday, and I've had five today, or five at lunch today. Let's just say they weren't all as enjoyable as this conversation we're having right now. <laughs> very Dang. talked out. So, this, yeah, is, yeah this is a, a pleasant one. Um, but it says, I'm a soft and haven't really made any good friends here, mostly due to COVID, I'm planning on bickering, but I've only heard negative things about joining a club without any close friends. Mm. Does anyone have a good experience of joining a club without friends?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just a tough situation with COVID. Like there's so many people who are here who haven't experienced clubs like fully um, just because we've had so many semesters off campus, so many Zoom semesters, yada, yada. Um advice joining a club with no friends i mean keeping an open mind i think is always is always a, a good suggestion here i think like i maybe limited myself a little bit too much in terms of my friend group it like definitely revolved around the soccer team and maybe the athletic community a little bit too much um and so like for that reason maybe i haven't met as many people outside outside my circle but i think um I I think it's good to meet to meet new people early early on and and you know take a leap of faith and join a club that maybe you don't know people in because you, you never know who you might find in there.
0: Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. I joined a club with some of my close friends, but I one reason that I joined the club I did as opposed to another one was that I knew a lot of faces in the other one, and I was like, this is a place where I will get to meet a lot of people, both the upperclassmen and people in my year, and couldn't have loved my decision anymore. Be, like I said, had some good friends, would have made some other really close friends that I would not have met if I didn't join the club. Yeah. So just shoot your shot, give it a chance. I wouldn't be worried about meeting new people because when you join these clubs, there's so many different events to get the whole membership yeah. to be just one big happy family. <laughs> um, and so people think about these things ahead of time and they are aware, especially with this current sophomore class who are the ones who started due to COVID, who started, uh, they started uh, Princeton virtually. Shout out to you, David, also. (laughs) Um, They are aware that it has been a little bit of a tougher transition. And so, yeah, I would just say shoot your shot. Um, You're going to meet great people, and you never know where it'll be. It'll probably be in the eating club. might be in some other different activity. Um, And you'll never know, and you'll never meet these people if you don't put yourself out there.
1: Um, Absolutely.
0: And with that, we've done 56 minutes. It has been another another great episode, and I would just like to say I've owned, this is the third episode that I've recorded mm-hmm. later in the day, and I'm always worried that like I wouldn't have the energy, but then I just get in here and it just the yeah, podcast and, like it, just all gets me. I love going. it.
1: This is this is my first time like speaking into a microphone with someone for an extended period of time, so I <laughs> I, I loved it. It was, it was awesome. Thanks for having me. I had a blast.
0: Thank you for coming on. Do you have any final words for the people?
1: Uh, don't get to senior year and do a thesis. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. It's not worth it.
0: It's <laughs> not worth it. And we will start this petition to make senior thesis optional. For real. Which I think is ha- what Brown has. Shout out Brown University. And Brown, ha-
1: Brown, everything's optional. Brown, yeah. But, tra-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you for listening.